0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. You know, it, uh, it amazes me a little bit that, you know, wherever you're at on politics, that, um, that uh, people have politicized prayer. And, uh, you know, I don't, don't get me wrong, I love Franklin Graham and I love the 299 other leaders that signed the document saying, let's pray for our president today. But, can I tell you something? It was in here before they signed any document that God's people should regularly pray for their leaders. And so we don't need the signatures of anybody to call us to pray. And so I, I hope you don't wait for a group of anybody to, to call you to pray for the leaders of our nation. I hope you're moved by the call of God to, to, to pray regularly for, for our leaders and um, well I, I am, uh, I'm glad you're here today. Uh, I'm going to do something that I miserably failed to do in the first service and you got I, I need your help because I blew it big time in the first service. I forgot to tell everybody in the first service that we're not going to be here next week. So if you would, anybody from the river that you can think of that probably is a first service attender, would you call them and say, you know, I am so sorry. Our pastor is old and feeble and forgetful. and He forgot to remind you that next Sunday is a great celebration in our church of Kingdom Sunday. And we're being sent out. For the purpose of blessing our, our, our other churches in our, in our city, um, to celebrate, to give uh, what we would normally give that week to the work of God through River Bluff, to give it to that church for the work of God to come through them, to bless them that way, to pray for them, to connect with them. Uh, some of, a lot of people have said, you know, and they do this every year I don't know where to go, and I don't know where you should go. You need to ask God, but I will make a suggestion, okay? Um, Hillcrest Baptist Church, right up, actually Phosphate Road here, um, not terribly long ago, lost their pastor to death. Uh, it was unexpected. We all thought Dusty was going to come back, and um, so they're, they're a church locally that I know of that's still still reeling from that pain in some way. still looking for God's to send you know pastor. They're 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 on a journey. And I would just commend them as a possible place to bless. If you know of a a church plant that is getting started in your area, I would say go bless them. You know, go go encourage them. Uh, Let them know that, you know, we are grateful that they are a kingdom outpost in our city for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. Just like we are. And uh, so I, I want to I encourage you to do that. But please, if you can, if anybody comes to mind, if you look around the room and say, I don't see so-and-so, call them this week, please. And, uh, and help get the word out. We're, we're going to do that in other ways, trust me. But um, it, it would be great to, to fan that flame. Um, I, uh, I want to dive into to where we're at today. I'm grateful that it has aligned where we're at in the book of Ephesians with uh, Graduate Recognition Sunday uh, because of the, the this call uh, from the Apostle Paul to experience the power of God and so what we're gonna look at today is a, prayer. is a prayer. The Apostle Paul normally uh, writes his prayers out when he sends a letter. He writes what he's praying for churches, the, the church in, uh, in Ephesus was no different. But one of the things that's unique about the, this book is there are multiple prayers in the, the book of uh, Ephesians that, that Paul writes these prayers out and we're looking at one today that is kind of like wedged right in the middle of, uh, of, of this, this great book, this letter that Paul wrote and it makes it a very important prayer and so I, I, I want us to kind of look at this today because it's a prayer for power. Uh, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, normally we do ESV but today um, I really felt like this communicated some language that I, I thought was a little more. Helpful. So if you've got your worksheets, you can look on there. It's going to come up on the screen. Um, it starts in verse 14. Paul writes this He says, When I think of all this, what he's talking about is really chapters 1 and 2, um, where he really laid out the gospel and Christ being in us and what that means. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, and I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through. His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it's too great to understand fully. Then... Amen. This is the word of the Lord and it's the prayer from Paul for the people of God at the church at Ephesus. Now remember this letter, uh, uh, commentators and theologians tell us that it, it, it is believed to have been not just for one church, but the church in Asia Minor. And it was really about the church, about God's people, about living in Christ and about the impact that knowledge of the gospel should have on followers of Jesus. And so Paul, thinking about the gospel that he's written about so eloquently in, in chapters 1 and 2, says this. When I think of all this, when I think about the gospel, Christ in us and, and us in Christ, when I think about all this, Paul says, I fall on my knees and pray. I fall on my knees and pray to the Father. And what that tells us is this is a, this is a passionate prayer of Paul. Uh, in, in this kind of day and time and in this culture, most of the time, uh, prayers were made standing up. They were made kind of in the upright position. But Paul is so overwhelmed by what the Spirit has just let him write that he just falls down. And he begins praying. And I want us to think about what he's actually praying. I think verse 16 kind of captures the heart of this prayer. He says, I pray that God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit. That you would be strengthened. That you would be empowered by his power through his Spirit. Now when I read that, it makes me, kind of stirs up a couple questions for me. And I want to kind of use that as an outline for today. And the first question is, why is this power so important? Why, why is it, why, if, if you go back and you read, especially in this translation, you will see that language of power, that word power or empowered or strengthened, used multiple times by Paul here. This is a prayer for power. So the question is, why is it so important? Secondly is, what is it? What... What specifically, what exactly is this power? And then third, how do we get it? How do we, how do we access it? And so I want to set out to kind of answer those three questions uh, today. Because this is Paul, Paul saying, I'm praying for this. So let's, let's think, first of all, why is this so important? And I want you to look at three things with me that uh, the Scripture kind of point out. First of all, in verse 17, uh, Paul writes that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So there's this dwelling of Christ in your heart. Secondly, in verse 18, that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And third, that they would be filled, this is again in verse 18, with the fullness of God. Now, if you've been with us in this series or if you have just regularly kind of been reading uh, the book of Ephesians, you'll know that in chapters 1 and 2, Paul said you have all three of those things. Uh, So it's kind of weird that he would, in chapters 1 and 2, he says, you got this, you got this, if you're in Christ, you got this, if Christ Jesus said you got this, you got this, all this is yours. And then he gets to this place in this letter and he falls down and now he's asking God... For them to have what he's already told them they got. See, everybody read that and go, huh? If he's just told them they've got it, why is he asking God to give it to them? Why is he asking, I want you to know this that you got? You know, this is kind of the question here, and it's an important question, and here's what Paul is praying. Paul is praying that these his brothers and sisters, that they, they would come to understand that they've got it, but they don't have it. They, they know it cognitively, but it's not living in, out of them. They, they, they haven't fully grasped it so that it is gripping their hearts. And what, what, talk, what Paul's talking about here is, is the difference between having something you know, that, that is yours and having something be true of you. Having something that you know just only in principle and theory and having it become something that you have become actually experiencing it. And so that's why in verses 16 and 17 Paul says this is about what's going on in your inner being. This is about what's happening in your heart. And so that leads me to kind of answer the first question this way. Is that getting this power is of ultimate importance if we're to experience what we already have. Get, whatever this power source is that, that Paul is praying for, for the church, for us as believers, is that we would, we would get this power so we can actually experience what we already have. And this is just incredibly important. And Paul knows it's important because he's watched Christians come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, but then kind of move through life with a hollowness. Move through life so that they gather together, they, they do church, they come to church and everybody just kind of puts on their church face, you know, and, and kind of, and, and there's a phoniness to it. Not, not, not that they're trying to be phony, they, they just, they want it so bad that they put on something that they're not experiencing. They just kind of try to dress it up. And Paul says there's so much more. I don't know how many of you are familiar with a, a French philosopher named Pascal. Um, you, you can just go into Google and you can type in his name, Pascal, and the word fire. And you'll get access to what I'm about to tell you in greater detail. But some of you may already know this. that at, On Pascal's death, um, uh, someone in his life, I don't remember who, found sewn into the lining of the jacket that he always wore a, uh, one of the pages torn out of his journal, his personal journal. And on that page, uh, it said this, and I'm going to paraphrase and and just pull bits and pieces of it. It says, in the year of grace, 1654, Monday, 23 November, from about half past 10 in the evening to about half an hour past midnight, fire, and fire was capitalized. He, He writes, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the God of philosophers and the learned. That, that was who he was. He was a philosopher. He was a learned one. Then he writes, certainty, joy, certainty, sight, certainty, tears of joy, 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 joy. My God, never leave me. Let me not be separated from you. And, and it goes on to, to say more. But many historians and theologians believe that Pascal had a saving knowledge of Jesus before that moment. There's some debate over maybe he got saved right then. I'm of the opinion that he had a saving knowledge. He knew who Jesus was. He had received Christ cognitively. He accepted Jesus. He was, he was bound for heaven. But he was not experiencing what he had it was not, it had not come to mean something of great value and power in his life. Pascal had a principle but he hadn't experienced the fullness of life in Christ yet. So another great evangelist, some of you will recognize the name Dwight L. Moody. 19th century evangelist, did incredible things and saw movement of God while, while he was ministering in New York. The, uh, he writes and tells us about this experience. You, again, you can Google Moody and New York experience. But over and over again, we, we read about and we hear and we see people experiencing what Paul is praying for the church. What Paul is praying for you and me. I, some of you have heard me say it this way. It's like being born again again. I think about some moments in my own life when there's been a powerful movement of the Spirit and it, it releases something that's been in there to come out in a new and fresh and powerful way. And that's what Paul is praying. Paul is praying for, for, for this great power, for something to, to be released because he's looking at the church and he's saying, you're living impoverished and you're rich. This is an illustration I've used before. You've heard it before. I think it helps capture this. Let's say that um, when you're young, uh, let's say you have a, a relative who lives kind of meagerly, and, uh, you know, so an aunt, and when she passes, um, you get word that you and all the other 47 cousins um, got one share of stock that she had. And because of her, her meagerness, you never figure it, it amounted to anything. And so you just kind of take the piece of paper and, you, you know, you stick it somewhere. And uh, you, you never do anything with it. You don't check on it. You don't do anything with it. And so um, your life goes on. But as your life goes on, you're... You find yourself in a bit of a calamity one day. You lose your job. You have a difficult time finding work. And you begin living this impoverished life. And, um, you know, through a kind of a freak accident, you accidentally opened the box that that little piece of paper was in and it was a share of Microsoft. Microsoft. When it was originally, you know, went public. She bought one share. She bought all these shares and, and distributed. And you and, and your wealth, you're living broken and in poverty. But there is this vast wealth that you had. But you were not making use of. It, it wasn't being released in your life. In, in any kind of way whatsoever. There's just, just tremendous thing. And Paul is saying that's exactly the way most Christians live. You know, you, they accept Christ. They, they have his love. They, they, you know, have this life. They have the Holy Spirit. But they're not drawing from it. They're not connected to it in such a way that it's, it's connecting with the way they're, they're living. And this is, this is kind of the reason Paul, Paul begins praying this prayer. And of all the things Paul could have prayed for first, uh, first century Christians living in Asia Minor. I mean, they, they lived in a place that was racked by war and tribal, tribal fighting. These were first century people. It was really dangerous to be alive. Disease was crazy. The mortal, infant mortality rate was like uh, off the charts. And Paul, Paul doesn't pray, dear God, protect them from disease. He doesn't pray, dear God, protect them from from war or or, or these kinds of things. He he doesn't pray anything really to deal with their circumstances. Because Paul knows if they get this, if they get connected to the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them where all of these gifts from God are unlocked, that that power itself will release life to them. What Paul is praying is this is of ultimate importance. So the question is, what does it look like? How will I know I get it? What, how, do I, how do I seek it? What, you know, those kinds of things. So I want us to, to try to describe something in the next few moments that is in some ways indescribable. Okay? So bear with me just a little bit as I kind of muddle through this. But here's, here's what I think Paul is trying to say here when he's talking about this power. And it's simply this. And this is kind of the, the, the answer to the second question. It's a Holy Spirit empowered sensitivity to gospel truth. That this power is being, having your life empowered to be sensitized to, to gospel truth. It's this inner kind of thing. And what Paul is praying, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily sound all that wonderful to start with, but when you think about what being spirit, spiritually sensitized can do for you, it can change the way you experience life. The life that God has given you. Paul writes this in verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That in, in this inner being. In verse 18 he says that you would then be able to really grasp. That you would be able to get hold of the love of God. It's depth, it's length, it's height, it's breadth. He, he said the Holy Spirit would, would move in you this way. So that you, yes, that you know that that Jesus died for you and Jesus, you know, went to the cross for you and Jesus suffered for you. You know those things cognitively, but it would move to something deeper where where it has got a hold of your soul. We're going to come back to that word grasp in a minute because it, 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 it's a deep, rich word. But it, it, there's just something powerful there. But to understand what's going on here is understand is what the Holy Spirit is enabling you to do. Maybe another way to think about it is what, what he's encouraging you to experience. See, truth's like God is holy. We, we, you can hear that. You can know it in your head. God is holy and go, got it. And that you can you can hear God is all knowing and you got it. God is completely sovereign. Yep, I, I got it. God is God is always gracious and long so, got it. But when, when the Holy Spirit has sensitized you when, you, when you hear those truths, when you read those truths, when, when there's a message on it, when you're reading a book about it, when this idea gets expressed, when, you, when you're presented, when your heart's sensitized and you're presented with the reality that God is sovereign, it drives fear out. It, it, if, if your heart is sensitized and you hear that God is sovereign, you just go, awesome. I don't care who's president. I don't care who's on Supreme Court. And when I say I don't care, it's not that I don't care. It's that I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to get caught up in the media frenzy over stuff. I'm not going to let that happen to my soul because God is sovereign. You know when when you hear that God is holy, what it does is it makes you I want to be that. It's not just the fact, it's, uh, it, it transforms you it, it, when, when, when your heart has been gripped, when you, when you have this sensitivity to the message of the gospel. It's something that you experience, it, it transforms your desires. Kathy and I, one, one of the places we like to eat in North Charleston is Texas Roadhouse. Okay, we're just, we like Texas Roadhouse. And since we, since we began this trek of trying to be a little healthier in our eating habits, um, we don't finish our meal. We, we, we basically, it comes, we kind of cut it in half and take half of it home. We don't gorge ourselves, you know, like we used to. But Texas Roadhouse has these rolls. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? They have these rolls. Oh my gosh, These rolls and when it's been a blessed of God day you know you eat the rolls that come and then you got this other half of the meal that you got to take home and you need what? you need rolls and so if your server brings you those rolls for take home too um, you know they're not as good later as they are right out of the oven here's a secret if you will dampen a paper towel and wrap that puppy up and pop it in the microwave for 12 seconds it's it's good it's almost original state good but here's what's even better if when that thing comes out hot you will take your finger and dig a hole and go to your cupboard and get some honey and fill that hole with honey and then just gently squeeze that thing not not so it overflows but just so that it it pumps it into the whole roll and you eat that it is incredible. I mean it is a a palatable delight. How many of you have ever actually done that? Taken a, a, one of those rolls from Texas Roadhouse, cooked it, done the finger and see, most of you know what honey tastes like. A lot of you apparently know what a Texas Roadhouse roll tastes like. But I'm telling you, it is a completely different experience to put those two big things together you haven't experienced it yet there's something that will get released into your life once you experience that well see that's what Paul is saying here you you could have the component of this role you could have the component of this honey you know what you know what they're like but there's something more that God wants released in your life it's not just about knowing facts about honey and rolls It's about experiencing this. It's about moving from something that's factual to something that's actual. There's a difference here. See there's a difference between having opinions about God's grace and oh my goodness being wrecked by it. Being overwhelmed by the grace of God. the, The beauty of God's holiness. Than just knowing that it's a fact. You know, see, there are a lot of people that go through this life, this Christian life, sure of some things. Sure of the reality because they've been, they've been raised up in the faith. You know, they, they go to church regularly. They, they believe cognitively in God. They believe Jesus died on the cross and I believe I'm going to see them in heaven. But Paul is praying for something more for now. For, for, for here that it would go beyond just your head. That's why the psalmist says, taste. He doesn't just say, believe that the Lord is good. In, in Psalm 34, he says, taste and see. Taste it. Now, y'all don't need to go to Texas Roadhouse today, just so you know. Okay, you need to be going somewhere else. Um, but but you, the psalmist says, taste it. Ta- taste and see that the Lord is good. See, it's possible to have things... And not taste them, not for, for them to, to never actually in, encounter your life. And so Paul is praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to sensitize you so that when you come encounter with, with these gospel truths about who God is, it, it just it takes you away. It shocks you. It, it melts you. It compels you instead of just saying, Okay, I know that. What's next? That's, that's how so many people in the Christian life I watch there, they, 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 they do a study, 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 they do a study. Not, it's not bad to study God's Word. But if it's not, if your spirit is not sensitized to, oh my goodness, I need to stop here. I may need to stay here for a week and think of nothing but the holy beauty of God. Then we're missing something. And that's, what Paul, that's why Paul is saying, all of those things you got, I am praying for an infusion of power that moves them to a different place in your life. To, moves it to a different place so that, so that Christ, Jesus, becomes as real to you as the person you're closest to on this planet. Because, see, Paul understands that what you need more than anything else is not the approval of the person sitting next to you, but the approval of the Lord Jesus. You need to experience that release. You need to experience the sweetness. You need to experience that, that assurance from him more than anybody else on this planet. More than a spouse. More than, more than a, a peer. More than a parent. We, we need that flowing through us. And so when he says, you know, look, you know, Paul, Paul writes in chapters 1 and 2, I, I know that Christ is dwelling in you. You have him in his heart. I know you have the Holy Spirit. He's already told you that. But I want you to experience it. I want you to uh, let, let him loose in your life. A lot of people say, you know, I know God loves me. But that person over there is criticizing me. Man, it just wrecks me. You know, I, I, uh, uh, this person failed me and now I'm devastated. And, and that's because you may know facts about Jesus. But you're not letting that relationship with him. You're not, you're not experiencing the power of a relationship with him. You're not grasping that. And it's not gripping you if what's going on because of other people in your life is, is tearing you apart so that you almost can't function. So Paul says, I want that power of the Spirit to sensitize you to the truth that you have. I want it to empower you that way. In verse 17, Paul says, I want Christ to make his home in your heart, to, to dwell there as you trust him. When that happens, he says, your roots will go down into God's love. And you'll be strong. He says when that happens. When that power gets released. There's going to be a a digging down of roots in your life. You will no longer be powerless. And then Paul prays that you would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. He's saying when this power gets released. That'll happen. He's talking about a new kind of life. That life that Terry challenged the graduates with. a, A real meaningful life that Jesus said is possible. Now please, here's where people, when, when I have talked about this with folks before, people equate this language with emotion. And there's got to be some emotion involved. You can't go, have an experience without something of, of feelings hap- happening in you. But Paul is saying this is more than just emotion. It's so much more than just emotion. If it's not an emotion that leads to a changed life, you haven't had the power of, of the Holy Spirit released yet. If it's not transforming you, permanently changing the, the way you move. See, when it comes, transformation looks like this. You're not going to be as needy as you may be today. You're, you're not going to be as fearful as you might be today. You're not going to see yourself primarily as a victim of what's going on today. You're, you're not going to be as self-centered or self-absorbed. You're not going to be as proud. You're not going to be as self-hating. Those things will, will, will be changed by this power of you being sensitized by the Spirit. So that when the truth of, of the gospel is presented, you, you just dive into it. You know one of the one of the things, and I, I, I pray you don't experience this, Kingdom Sunday. You might. I don't know, but there in in our world there are often churches that get on either extreme of this. There are some churches that are only focused on theology and and and, and study. Um, They they just, they they drive that doctrine and and learning and you got to do this. And they're a little afraid of experiencing the power of the Spirit. It it, kind of scares them to think about the power of the Spirit. You know, it's just, it's a little bit too mystical. And then there are other churches that that's all they talk about. It's all, you know, experiential, kind of emotional driven. They spend very little time diving into doctrine, dealing with the depths of Scripture. They just want the, the mystical. And I hope you see in Paul's prayer, it's not the extremes. It's, it's, it's right here in the center. He is he is saying it's a fusion of those things. What, what, what Paul here is saying, it's when the, the, the knowledge that you have in your head meets your heart... And it begins to transform, form your life. It, you, you begin to be changed by it. your whole being, your, your soul are kind of fired up as you offer yourself to God. So how do you get this? This is kind of the third question. How, how, how do you get it? And I want to be really ridiculously practical here. Okay. You get it. I'm going to give you kind of three, what I'll call, kind of statements on how attitudes that you you got to have in order to to access this. And it's going to end up in one sentence. And the first part of the sentence is this. We first of all receive this power through sustained seeking prayer. Through sustained seeking prayer. Now, this isn't the only thing you should pray for. In fact, if all you ever pray for is experience, uh, you're going you're to be in a little trouble. You need to be praying intercessorily for others, for our leaders, for one another, for our church, for God's kingdom to come. But you do need to be praying for yourself to experience this power. Some of you will recognize the name Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was the great foreign missionary who kind of opened up China to, to, to missions. And um, he had a daily sustained seeking prayer. It was kind of memorable. And he, he would pray this to himself pretty much every day. He, he prayed this prayer. Oh Jesus, make thyself to me a living bright reality. Jesus, would, would you be to me a living, bright reality every day? And you and I need to, to pray a sustaining, I would call it a breath prayer. Would you be real to me today, Jesus? Would would your your power, Holy Spirit, it it can be a brief prayer, but it needs to be consistent. It needs to be constant. It needs to be the longing of our heart. It needs to be a Matthew 6.33 prayer. Seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It needs to be, we need to be focused on that. So it needs to be sustaining and constant seeking prayer. Next, we receive this power through sustained seeking prayer and devotion to obedience. I hope you see this when you read this in in verse 14. Paul said this. There's two translations there, New Living and and, and ESV. But they both, Paul said this. When I think of all this, when I think of the gospel, I fall to my knees. ESV says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. This this, uh, position of kneeling... That Paul is speaking of. Is another way of saying I'm devoted to obedience. That I am, I am fully submitting my heart to you father. You know in, in our culture that, that, that name father. Uh, and, and mother for that matter. Pretty much only means for our culture nurturer. Because you know parents. If you didn't know this you need to know this. In our culture parents you're not supposed to have any authority. Okay, you know, that's what the world's saying. No authority. Nurture, nurture, nurture. No authority. That, that's a lie, by the way. Just, okay, that's not truth. That's the world's truth. There was a day when that, that name, Father, carried with it nurture, but also authority. Loving, you know, authority. And so when we see that, that word, when Paul is saying this, when he says kneel before the Father, what he's saying is, I am, I am obeying unconditionally. I am submitting myself fully. to you, you know there's a difference between obedience and submission, don't you? you? You can obey the letter of something, but you will not experience the release of the power of the blessing of God in your life until your heart is submitted to obedience. It, it will not come. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I am kneeling. I am positioning my life in submission to you, Father. Obedience is so much a part of receiving this power. Here's why. If if your life looks like this, if if you decide, I'm going to pray that prayer, I'm going to pray for the power of God to fall on me, and while at the same time you're saying, well now there's just part of my life that I just keep having repetitive sin in and it's just no big deal to God. Oops, I did it again. Power fall. Oops, I did it again. And you just kind of blow that repetitive sin off and you don't deal with it. You know, people come to you and and tell you you got a problem here and you say, oh yeah, but power fall. The power's not going to fall. It's just you're not going to to experience the power of God until you're until you're kneeling, until you're bowing before Him, fully submitted. There's going to there's going to be part of the power of God that you're going to miss, and that's why Paul says when you when you when you pray this prayer, you got to do it in full submission. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. you got to have this seeking, sustaining prayer. It's got to be out of obedience. And then lastly, grab this please. It's got to be in the context of community. It's got to be in the context of community. I hope you pick this up in Ephesians 3 verse 18. Paul's saying that you may be strengthened so that you can comprehend with who? All the saints. So that you can comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. So many believers in our culture are trying to experience the full measure of God's love solo, Lone Ranger. And they're not getting it. They're not fully experiencing the full measure of God's love. And that's why Paul said here, you got to do this in the con- with all the saints. You got to do it in the context of the community. Because you will not experience, you won't live obediently if you don't have people in your life that are telling you the truth about what's going on. About how they're experiencing your life bumping into their lives. We've got to have people doing that. You will not experience the fullness of God solo. You need to experience it in, in community to be transformed. So those are three what I'll call attitudes. Those are three uh, kind of mindsets that you need when you're, when you're praying for this power to come. But you also need some skills. And real quickly, kind of closing, I want, to, I want to examine those skills. One of those skills has to do with meditating on the Word of God. And this takes us back to that word grasp, where Paul says that you would grasp this power, this, this love of God. That word literally means to sack a city, to jump on, to pounce on, to wrestle something to the ground. And it's kind of a strange word to think about when you're talking about the love of God. But when you understand it, that you, you, you need to, as Jacob did in Genesis 32, wrestle with God in places, you need, you need to, and not only that, you need to wrestle with yourself. One of, the, one of the great beauties about some of the Psalms is sometimes the psalmist would wrestle with himself in Psalm 42, the psalmist says, why are you cast down, O soul? He's looking, he's looking inwardly. He's, looking, he's meditating on the Word and he's looking internally at his life and he's saying, what is wrong with you? What is going on in you, soul? Why are you, why are you, why are you living this way? Why are you letting this turmoil wreck you? In Psalm 103, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. All of them. And what the psalmist is teaching us here is we need to wrestle with our faith. We need to struggle with it. He's meditating on it. He's hearing the truth of the gospel and then he's looking at his own life and seeing how are these things lining up? Am I really experiencing that? Is this power being released in me? He's saying to his own heart, why why don't you see it this way? You know, what, what, why are you so anxious? Why is your soul so downcast? Why aren't you more grateful? Why, what's going on? And what he's doing is he's preaching the gospel to himself. He's proclaiming the truths of God to himself. He's thinking. He's, he's applying. He's connecting the things. And so, so Paul says, I want you to grasp. I want you to grasp the love of God. I want you to grasp how long it is. You know, how, how wide it is. And I want us to close by thinking about that for just a couple of minutes. How wide is God's love? How, how expansive is God's love? How do, we, how do we wrestle through that regularly? Well, I want you to think about how wide God's love is. In, in Isaiah chapter, chapter 1, I think it's verse 18, um, the, God uses the prophet to say this about, about the love of God. He, he 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 makes this statement. He says, "Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow." Now that word scarlet there is blood, and what and what, what the prophet is saying, uh, what God is saying through the prophet is this: even if your sin has blood guilt on it, even if you've killed somebody, God's love is wide enough for you. God can make you white as snow. Even even if that's your truth, God's love is so wide. Anybody can receive it. No matter what you've done or who you've done it with or how long. Anybody. God's God's love is wide enough and expansive enough. There's a place for you in the love of God. It doesn't matter what you've done. See, if Jesus Christ died on the cross, then you're saved by his grace alone. Nothing else. His love is wide enough. No matter, even if your sins are scarlet red. And because his, his love is wide enough, we begin to know something about how long it's going to last. In John 10, Jesus said this. He said, My sheep, my own, know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them what? Eternal life. How long is that love? you know, it goes on for eternity. Uh, Terry uh, spoke this verse earlier in Philippians chapter 1, he says the good work that God has began in you, he's gonna complete it up until the day of Jesus Christ. That That's gonna come through completion. That's, that's time there. Revelation uh, tells us in Revelation 13 that the Lamb of God th- the, was slain before the foundation of the world. God knew that he was going to love you through Jesus Death, burial, and resurrection before the foundation of the world. That's a long time. That's God's love being expressed in its length. How wide is it? How long is it? Well, it's so wide and so long because it's so deep. How deep is the love of God for you? How deep is Jesus' love for you? What depth did it go to for you? Jesus' love went to hell for you. That's that's how deep his love is. Jesus' love for you drove him into hell. It took him to the deepest pit where he was forsaken by God. That's how deep Jesus' love is for you. But it doesn't stop there because not only is it deep, it's high. And I want you to to be captured by this. The, The gospel tells us that God's love is infinitely, it is so high he declares his glory, but then Jesus said this in John 17. He said, Father, the glory that I had with you before the creation of the world, I want them to have that glory too. Jesus said, I'm going to give my glory. His his love is so high that he gives his glory away. In 1 John 3, he says this, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him. We're going to become like Jesus, Not, not God, but we're going to receive all of the blessings that God himself had for his son. That's the height of God's love. That's how incredible God's love is, that he wants to share his glory with us. Now one of the things that should cause your heart to do, if it gets empowered, if it's sensitized to those truths, is it should create in you a heart of praise for the Lord. I mean, one of the things that the reality of God's love should do in our lives is just bring us to praise. And that's what I want you to close on with me is this. Is see what Paul, how Paul was brought to praise when he saw the love of God empowered by the Spirit. He said this, Now him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine... According to his power that is at work within us, to him, to God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations and forevermore, forever and ever. Amen. Paul just breaks into a chorus of praise. He just he gets so excited about, about praising God because of that power. Did you see that? Th- this power that's at work within us. God's power wants to work in you. God's power wants to sensitize you to all of the truths of the gospel of who God is. And what he wants to do in your life. You may be here today for the very first time. I don't know. And it's the first time you ever heard the depth of God's love for you. You didn't know that Jesus died and went into the depths of hell for you. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered that penalty for you. He loved you. That he suffered that much for you. And you just for the very first time have come to understand God's love. And the Bible says if you want to receive that, all you've got to do is call in the name of Jesus. You, you, you've got to repent of your sin, which means you decide, I don't want to live this way. I want to live Jesus' way. I want to follow Jesus with my life. I want to give my life to him. You can do that today. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the world will be saved when you call on it with that repentant kind of heart. But for most of us in here, what we've got to do is we've got to begin praying that prayer of Paul for ourselves and please, dear God, for each other. That that power, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power that you and I would experience so that it would solidify the gospel's power in our lives. Pray with me, okay? Lord Jesus we come now we come we come God in this moment thinking about that power that Paul prayed would fall on your people and we ask for it God we come humbling ourselves in your presence we come kneeling God choosing a path of submissive obedience to you God God if we've been withholding if if we've been holding back and kind of given a wink and a nod to our own sin God I just pray right now we pray God we choose to turn our backs on that today we choose to pursue you life in you Jesus we repent God so we ask you Holy Spirit reveal to us that which keeps us from experiencing that which we already have. We want that power to come, that same power. So we pray, as, as Paul prayed, God, we want the that power released in us so the roots of our lives will sink deeply into the love of Christ so deeply, even though we can't understand its depth, so deeply that we are strengthened. We're empowered. To live life differently, to be transformed. And God, I pray that we would be recommitted, redevoted this day to doing it with all the saints. Doing it in a context of community. So Father, if, if we've been trying to live apart from community, God, I pray that you would convict our hearts today, Holy Spirit. That if we want to see your power really released in our lives... As we submit obediently. As we seek in prayer regularly and constantly. That we've got to. We've got to submit to a few brothers and sisters too. Help us God I pray. So that your power can be released. In our lives and in our church. In our city. In our nation. We pray for your kingdom to come this way God. We pray for your power. As As we come to this time God. When we give back. When we come to give obediently your tithe back to you as we come to give sacrificially our offering to further your kingdom's work to you God we also come bringing our hearts praising you give us your power God release it in our lives so we can live the life that you intended it's in your name we pray dear Jesus Amen Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.